never forget the night I saw my father cry. I was frightened and alone, and his tears were burning in my eyes, deep in my soul. I held him tight and tried to ease the pain. Father in heaven, it's no secret at all. When you think of your children, how far they are from home. Two tender tears. Fall from your eyes and your cries. Shake the world. Cannot bear to see you this way. Father, don't cry. I love you too much to see you in pain. Okay, good evening. Thank you for coming. Tonight's class um, was dedicated by. Shirley Perlis, and this is in honor of her mother's yard site, Miriam Bazdovid. This week, may her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May she channel lots of brachas to you and to your family for only good, mazel bracha, and only good things. For the entire Perlis family. Another dedication this week is by Yitzi and Libby Smith. This is in honor of Libby's brother, in memory of Libby's brother, Olava Shalom's, whose yard site is this week, um, David Yoyna Hakoyen Dubinsky. Uh, his yard site is on the 22nd of Elo. Uh, may his neshama have a very, very great aliyah. David Yoyna ben Rabbi Menachem Mendel Hakoyen Shayichia. May his neshama have the greatest aliyah to the greatest of heights. And may he... Uh, channel lots of brachas down to his family for only, only good things and happy things. No more, no more agmas nefesh tsar and any kind of suffering and only, only good things. And very, very soon, let the family be reunited with the coming of Mashiach. May that happen now, now. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, tonight, uh, before we begin today's class, I do want to announce we're having a Really, really, really special Shabbaton uh, this Shabbos with uh, Rabbi Shays Taub. Rabbi Shays Taub is known today's days as one of the um, unique teachers of Hasidus that can take uh, really, really deep concepts of Hasidus and make them very, very practical. Um, he's been writing an RA, a column every single week in the Ami magazine. Uh, in which thousands of people uh, consult with him on issues regarding to all aspects of life. life. And I myself read them. uh, I'm stunned by his ability to be able to get down so deeply, to be able to dissect a person's letter and to figure out the crux of what the person is really asking. It's really stunning. If you haven't read his articles, really every week I look forward to reading the way he uh, his articles in, in Ami magazine. He's going to be over here Shabbos with us, spending the entire Shabbos. We're going to have a special Shabbos luncheon with him uh, that requires registration. Please register for that. He's going to be giving a sheer Shabbos afternoon um, on forgiveness and healing, letting go, and moving moving on from old hurt. That's going to be Shabbos afternoon. 
Matzah Shabbos before Slichas, he's going to be doing a pre-Slichas um, Fabrengen Kumzitz. Uh, we're also going to have Moshe Storch here, uh, and it's going to be it's called Tshuva in Story and Song, and um, Slichas itself is going to be led by Rabbi Yekasiel Kalmanson. It's going to be a very, very beautiful evening. That's beginning 10.15 this Matzah Shabbos. Uh, please come. There's no charge for that. Just come and join us from, for this coming Matzah Shabbos. This is really, really going to make bring your slichas to a whole different level and enter you into the high holidays in a very special way. He's also going to be, we're also going to be having a day of Torah study and Yom Iyon, a day of introspection and inspiration on Sunday, the entire day, next week Sunday, the entire day filled with classes with Rabbi Shays Taub. He's going to be doing two workshops and one lecture. The workshop in the morning. So we're going to start the day 8 o'clock. I'll be giving a class. 8.45 there will be Shachris. 10.15 there will be a workshop with Rabbi Taub. It's called Meditation for Busy People. Rewiring your brain for serenity and joy. Really interesting stuff. After that we have, we're going to have Rabbi David Sachs. Phenomenal a teacher who's going to be giving a class on 11.45 called Writing Ourselves in the Book of Life. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be lunch over here, 1 p.m. But you have to register for these workshops. So please, please register. We need to know who's coming. And, uh, so, and the second, and 2 o'clock, there'll be a share by my son-in-law called Shofro, Will You Hit the Snooze by Rabbi Mendel Zirkind. 3.15, another workshop with Rabbi Chase Taub. Be the Chains, Change, Keys to Personal Transformation in the New Year. And then we'll have a little Harusa learning. And then it'll be dinner here, 7.30 p.m. You don't want to miss this lecture uh, Sunday night, what to pray for. This lecture, independent from the workshops, you can just come for the nighttime lecture next week, Sunday night. I highly suggest everybody participate in this. You will definitely leave enlightened and better prepared for the upcoming year and for Rosh Hashanah than you are. Please, I'm asking everyone that hears about this to please, please spread the word, let people know. I, I believe so so much or so strongly that people can literally be helped in a big way from what we're going to be having here Shabbos and Sunday. So please spread the word. Okay. Tonight um, is Parshas Netzavim Vayelach. We have a double Torah portion. And I'd like to share something extremely special. Um, it's a little technical uh, at the beginning, but the, what comes out of it is so extraordinary, so unique, so powerful. This week in the Torah portion, Tzavim Vayelech, is really the last talk of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is gathering the Jewish people at the end of his life, preparing them for his passing, and giving them instructions for all the Jewish people for all future time. Now, in, that, um, in this uh, instruction that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, he's telling the Jewish people what's going to happen in the future. He's talking about the exile. He's talking about that God is giving you the choices. He's summarizing all of the Torah by telling them, basically, you have the choice. Hashem gave you Bechir Chavshis, free will. You can choose the right path. You can choose the opposite. You can choose life. You can choose death. Make the right choices. Moshe Rabbeinu says, if God forbid you won't make the right choices, you'll end up in a hot mess. You'll end up in a lot of trouble. You'll end up, uh, Jews will be exiled and so on and so forth. But then he tells the Jewish people that they should never give up in the exile because at the, in the end there will come a time 
when definitely they will do teshuva. Rambam says, Hefticha Torah, the Torah promises that the Jewish people will do teshuva. This is what it says over here in, in Revi. This is in Perek Lamet, chapter 30, verse Aleph. Vahoyuki vayu alecha. When it will come upon you, call Advaram Ela, when all these aforementioned things will come upon you, everything that is mentioned earlier, Habracha Vahaklala, the blessings and the curse that's discussed in last week's Torah parsha. That I have given before you, and you will take it to your heart. Amongst all the nations, wherever God has scattered you, eventually, eventually, you definitely, definitely will take it to heart. You will do tshuva, and you will listen to His voice. In other words, Hashem is saying that we will not rot away in exile indefinitely. The day will come when we will finally take to heart that we've, we're, we're, we're in this situation because of our own not such good choices. It's time to repent. It's time to return to Hashem. When we will do that, and we definitely will do that, there is a prophecy that we will do that, then the Pasuk continues, Hashem is going to return your exiles. So the Pasuk says, Veshav Hashem Elokecha Eshavuzcha. Hashem is going to return your captives or the returnees. He's going to return the Jewish people back from the, from, from the exile. And God is going to have compassion upon you. And He's going to return. And He's going to gather you from all the nations. Here we have, this week is the Torah's portion, clear, clear, clear promise, as Maimonides says, for the coming of Mashiach. We are told that Mashiach will definitely come. In the places where God has scattered you. On this pasuk, there is a fascinating Rashi. Rashi is bothered by the word the Torah uses. It says, I made copies of the Rashi, because it's important to follow along inside, because we're going to get a bit technical with this Rashi. We're going to dissect it a little bit, but because you can learn these Rashi, and you can learn it superficially, and then you miss something so phenomenally deep, so encouraging, so uplifting. And that's why we're going to take apart this Rashi, and then we're going to put the Rashi together again. And this is going to be one of the most amazing Rashis you're ever going to learn. This Rashi is going to shine such light in your life, in my life, in all of our lives. So here it says like this. God is going to return your captives. Rashi's bothered. Rashi, usually not always does Rashi say what was bothering him. Rashi says clearly what he is bothered with. It should have said, that God is going to return your captives. The word veheshiv means He will make your captives return. He will bring us back. Veheshiv, He will make return. Veshav is a means that He Himself will return. So what does it mean? Veshav Hashem that God will return, will return your captives as if He is returning. It should say He will return your captives. He will return the Jewish people. So Rabbi Seinu Rashi tells us, and the concept itself is a concept that is well known, but we're going to soon going to see the depth of it that is not well known. Rabbi Seinu Lamdu Mikan, so our teachers have discerned from here, have derived from here, Kiviyachol, so to speak, Shashchina Shruya Im Yisrael, that the Shechina dwells with the Jewish people, Bitsaras Galusam, in the, in the, in the angst, in the, in the troubles of their, of their exile. From here we see, since it says that God will return, and it doesn't say, Veheshiv, He will make us return. But rather it says, Veshav, that He will return, is that 
Hashem is not just the one that is returning. Hashem is also the one who is Vishav. That Hashem, Hashem is not only the one who is taking us out of exile, but God is the one Himself who is returning from the exile. That's the meaning of Vishav. Because why does God have to come out of exile? That implies that Hashem is in the exile. He suffers along with the Jewish people during the exile. So when Mashiach comes, Hashem Himself is coming out of Galus. This is the famous concept of Shechinta Begalusa, that the Shechina is in Galus, and Hashem is coming out of Galus. Ukeshenegalen, and when the Jewish people are redeemed, Hichtiv Geula Le'atzmoi, Hashem has written, written in the Torah, as if the redemption is for Himself. Hichtiv, He wrote Geula, redemption for Himself. That's why it says, Veshav Hashem Elokecha, that Hashem will come out. Shu Yashav Imam, that He will return with them. Before we can, again, so we're going to analyze this, but first we're going to read the whole Rashi. That's one interpretation of why it says, that God will return, not that He will have you return. The second, and then Rashi gives another explanation. That the day of gathering of the exiles is so phenomenal and it's so great. And it is so difficult. That means that to, it's such a great feat it's such an unbelievable accomplishment to gather the Jewish people back from the exiles. And it's difficult. Therefore, ke'iluhu atzmoi, so it's as if God himself, it's as if Hashem needs to go and take with his hands, mamish, literally, ish, ish, mimakomo, every single person from his place. That means, this pirush is, that we're not talking about the Jewish people during the duration of the exile. We're talking about the time of the Giyula. When the redemption comes, when the time of the redemption comes, God is so to speak going to enter into the exile and to pick up, to fetch every single person individually. To pick up, to snatch, to elevate, to, to take every single Jew out of that prison, out of that dungeon called exile. God himself is going to lower himself down to select and to pick up every single Jew. And that's the meaning why it says Vishav, because since he himself is going out to do the giyula, so he's returning with us. Not because he's, not like the first peerage that he was there all the time. But now, during the time of the giyula, he travels into the exile, goes to the farthest corners of the earth to search out every Jew, collect and pick every single Jew individually and bring them. Ish, ish, memakomo, every single. Ke'inyan shanamar, as it says, va'atem to look to and you will collect. Le'echad, echad, mebnei Yisrael. You will be collected. Every single person will be collected. Mebnei Yisrael, every single Jew individually. Then Rashi concludes, va'af begali yashara umais matzinu kein. We find it also, since we're saying now, that collecting people from an exile and returning them to their homeland is a difficult charge, a difficult thing. And therefore, it's as if, so to speak, God Himself has to do it Himself. He can't have it be done like He has everything else to be done in the world. He must go do, do it Himself. That's why it says, Veshav, that He will return. Rashi says, well, we should know that that happens, that's there by other nations as well. In the Torah, it discusses other nations returning to their homeland. And over there you'll also find that it, the Pasuk uses a term that is saying that Hashem himself is returning while he's bringing that nation back. He's doing, he himself is doing it. As it says, V'shafti, Hashem says, I will return as Shavus Mitzrayim, the captives of Mitzrayim. V'shafti, and I will return Shavus of the, which means that it's an act of God himself. The, okay, so this is the, the, excuse me, this is the Pesukim, it's what, what the Torah, what Rashi brings over here. Okay, fine. This is the conclusion of this idea. Now, let's go back to the, to the question. 
Rashi says, the Pasuk says, V'shav Hashem Elokecha, Hashem will return your captives. Rashi says, it should have said, So it seems like Rashi is bothered by one word. The word v'shav, is, it, it, v'shav means he will return. It should really be v'heshiv, he will cause you to return. It's interesting that Rashi in his, in his um, Dibur HaMaschal, in the selected words in which he's quoting from the Pasuk, then is quoting the whole Pasuk, v'shav Hashem alokecha eshevuzcha, that God will return your returnees. If his whole question is only on the word Vishav, which should have been Veheshiv, he will make return, not Vishav, and he will return, then usually Rashi selects and highlights the word that he explains and not any other words. Over here he highlights the whole sentence. But we can really argue and say that Rashi is asking really two questions. You see clearly, Rashi says, what should it say? It should have said Veheshiv Eshavuzcha, that Hashem will return your captives. Rashi doesn't say it should have said, Veheshiv Hashem Elokecha Eshavuzcha. Okay, we're understanding it that the only thing that's bothering over here, that's bothersome in this Pasuk, is the word Veshav, implying a redemption for himself, a returning for himself. But Rashi, when he says what it should have said, doesn't say just it should have switched the words for Veshav, for the word Veheshiv. Rashi is saying Eshavuzcha, not Veshav. Rashi is omitting the words Hashem Elokecha. And the reason is because Rashi is bothered by two things. Number one, the word v'shav is not the correct word over here. Because in diktuk, which means in proper grammar, he is causing them to return. So it should have been v'heshiv. Number two, it doesn't have to tell us Hashem elokecha that God is going to do it. Of course we understand that Hashem is the one who is going to do it. Why? Because the Pasuk before this says, when you will do tshuva, look at the Pasuk before this, it says, v'shafta ad Hashem elokecha, when you will do tshuva and you will return to God, then God will take you back. So it doesn't have to say God will take you back, then He will take you back. If the last Pasuk said already, that you're doing tshuva to who? Hashem elokecha, Hashem your God. If the Pasuk would continue and tell us, v'shav, or v'heshev eshevuscha, now He will, Who? We understand who it is, because we're just saying who you're doing tshuva to. You're doing tshuva to Hashem. You're returning to Hashem. So of course, Hashem is going to bring back your returnees. So two things are bothered. Number one, what's the Hashem Elokecha doing over here? Uh, an extra time, the Pasuk is saying God's name. Secondly, it, didn't, it should have said, Veheshev, that He will make return, not Veshev. That's the question. So um, to answer both these questions, Rashi gives two solutions. But solution number one is that no, 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 no. God is returning from the Gullahs. And both of them, it's the same idea that Hashem is returning with the Jewish people. Hashem is not only the one who is making this happen, but God is actually the one who is returning. Hashem is also the object of the, of the verse, so to speak. We say that Hashem object. He is the one who... We're, he's, we're, it, simply you learn that we're the ones who are being returned. So the, Rashi is saying, and Hashem Elokecha is the one that's doing it. Then the Pasuk doesn't have to say Hashem Elokecha, because it said already in the last Pasuk that, that we're doing tshuva to Hashem. So we know the one that we're talking about, he is the one who's doing it. But since the Pasuk is trying to tell you something else, the Pasuk is trying to tell you that during the time of the exile, God is with the Jewish people in the Golas. Since Hashem is with the Jewish people in the Galus, so hash, number one, it doesn't say Veheshev, he will make us return, because he himself is going to return. Number two, it, it, doesn't, it, it says Hashem's name to show you that Hashem is taking himself out of the Galus and coming, coming, and coming back with the Jewish people. Okay? 
So that's how he answers the question. The problem over here, Rashi, Rashi, I want to ask you five questions. We're going to go very quickly. Question number one is, why does he, uh, Rashi seems to say, our teachers learn out from here. Look at these words. Rabbi Seinu Lamdu Mikan. Our teachers learn out from here, that Hashem is with the Jewish people in exile. As if this is the first time we've heard this concept. Everybody remembers, let's rewind the Torah, let's go all the way back to the story that we were learning a long time ago, the first time the Jewish people went to exile, where Moshe Rabbeinu encounters God for the first time when Hashem sends him to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. Where did Hashem reveal himself to Moshe? From a burning bush. And what kind of tree was it? A thorn bush. Snap. Rashi says over there, why a thorn? Why out of all trees, out of all plants, is Hashem revealing himself from a thorn bush? And the answer is, a thorn bush is prickly, it hurts, it's painful. And Hashem is telling, Rashi says, Because I am with him, it's a pasuk in Tehillim, in Perek, Tzadik Aleph, Yosheb Esesar Elia, in Psalm 91, where it says clearly that God is with us in our trouble. So Rashi says over there, the reason why Hashem was speaking to Moshe from a thorn bush is to show that he is suffering, he is being pricked during the Golos, he is being shtecht, so to speak, it's hurting him. The exile. So that means that we know already this idea from elsewhere. When, when Rashi says, Mikan, it tries to show, it, it, the emphasis is saying, he's not just saying from here is another place. Mikan is emphasizing from here and from no other place. To exclude all other sources. This is the place from where we know that Hashem is with us in exile. Which it seems to be, we know it's from already somewhere else. The, yeah, okay, fine. But, it's, but, but, but it says already, the concept that Hashem is with the Jewish people during the Gullahs, says already, to make the question stronger, why do I need it? Why do I have to even learn it out from any, from any, why do we have to derive it from a Pasuk when it says explicitly in the Pasuk in Tehillim, it says, Imai Anochi Petzara, that Hashem is with us in trouble. Well, what are we trying to do? We're deri- the sages are expounding and they're deriving it, they're deducing it from a Pasuk. You don't have to deduce it. It says so explicitly in a pasuk in Tehillim, Imoya Noichi Betzara, that Hashem says, I am with you in trouble. Or like the famous pasuk we know, Gam even when I go in the shadows of death. I'm not afraid, because I know God, you're with me, even in dangerous times, in times of suffering, I know you're always with me. So we have pasukim like that. What's the emphasis over here? Mikan, from here we know. The other thing is, what do we know from here? From here we know, since it says that Hashem will return, what is God doing there in the first place? Must be that He came along with us during the time of exile. He's with us in the exile. Oh, so we know that God is present with us in the exile. But how do we know from here that Hashem is with us in the suffering of the exile? Here it just says one thing. Hashem, Hashem, Hashem will return. That means where is Hashem? When His children are in exile, He's also in exile. Meaning he, He's with us. But who says He's with us in the suffering of the exile? Rashi says... That Hashem is with them, in the suffering and the pain of the Golos, Hashem is with us in the pain. That you don't see from here. If anything, you see that from the Sneh, you see that from the story of the burning bush, because there Hashem is actually allowing the thorns to poke him, because he's being poked by the suffering. And if you learn that from the Pasuk, from all, when, when, in all of their troubles, to him is pain. You learn that from the Pasuk, I am with them in Tzara. There you see the Eberster is with us in the trouble, in the suffering. But over here we only know that God is with us in the, 
in the space, in the place of exile, but not necessarily that he's with us in the suffering of the exile. So we don't even see it from him. The other question over here is, Rashi continues and Rashi says, after he concludes this idea that the Jewish people, that Hashem is with us in the suffering of their exile, he says, And when the Jewish people are redeemed, Hashem wrote, he wrote in the Torah, a geula for himself. Simply, Rashi means to say, that what... Uh, that that um, that that that's why it says v'shav. That's v'shav, not v'heshiv. So he's implying the returning of the galus for himself. That's hichtiv geula liatzmoi. And Rashi says, and the and Rashi continues, shahu yashiv umahem that God will return with them. Now that seems to be completely superfluous. Of course, God will return with us. Why is he there in the first place? He's not there because he loves hanging out in exiles. Why is Hashem in exile? He's there because we're in exile. So obviously when we come out of Golas, when we are redeemed, that Hashem is coming out of the Golas. You need, Rashi has to explicitly tell you that when we're leaving the Golas, He's leaving with us. Why in heaven's name would God be there even though we're not there anymore? So obviously, that's the whole point. He went with us to the Golas. He comes out with us. It doesn't have to be stated. I mean, technically you can argue and say, Rashi, again, since he's explaining Vishav, why does it say that Hashem will return? It's for that reason, since it says Vishav, that Hashem will return, he wants to dafka emphasize the returning. That, that, that He's there in Golas during the whole time, and now when we're coming out, he's coming out with, that's why it says Vishav Hashem Elokecha, that Hashem will return. But the truth is, this you would know with common sense. I mean, you can figure it out yourself. Rashi doesn't have to speak it out like, uh, you know, smearing the peanut butter for you. You can figure out how to do this. I mean, obviously, he's giving you the idea. God is with you in the exile. If God is with you in the exile, that's why it says in the end of the Golas that Hashem is coming out. Fine. That's, you, there seems to be an extra emphasis over this. That Rashi wants to tell you something else. What does he want to tell you? Also, the words he chooses. He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hichtiv Hashem wrote a geula for himself. What does this mean? He wrote himself a geula. It should have said ukeshehen negalim, negalim mohem. That's it. If when they are redeemed, he's redeemed with them. Fine. Then now we know v'shav. It says hichtiv. That's why he wrote. I mean, everybody will learn this meaning to say he wrote, meaning he wrote the word v'shav. But if that's what he meant, he could have said it in a more in a much clearer way. There must be something else that he's saying over here. Then Rashi gives us an, another pirush. What was the second explanation why it says Vishav? Rashi gives a second reason because re- at the time of the Geula, the act of the redemption, the ingathering of the exiles called Kibbutz Goliath is such a difficult thing. It's so difficult. It, 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 it requires, so to speak, God himself to do it. In other words, even though we know God is managing the affairs of all of the world, but it's not necessarily stated that Hashem is making the apple grow. And Hashem is making, you know, the, 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 whatever, everything that's happening. That Hashem is making the waves crash. And we know that Hashem is running everything. There are certain things that it's clear it's an act of God. There are certain things that are such a clear demonstration. This is a divine act. Oh, what's going to be clear that something that God himself is doing? Kibbutz Goliath, the gathering of the Jewish people. 
since Hashem, why? Because it's, it's a difficult thing. It requires Hashem himself, so to speak, like he is doing it to each individual Jew. That's why it says Vishav, because he is going to pick himself. I mean, he himself is going to kind of drive down into the Gullus to pick up every single Jew from the place where he is. That's the reason why it says Vishav. That's what Rashi is saying. So, but here is a couple of questions. Number one, when Rashi gives two interpretations, there's always a necessity for a second pirush, which something in the Pasuk is lacking from the first explanation that we need a second explanation. What would we need a second explanation of here? What's lacking? The first pirush is very, very gishmak. Hashem is with us in the Golas. That's why it says, V'shav Hashem lekecha, that God will come out with us. I mean, what we, what's lacking? That we need to say, no, that during the time of the Giyul, Hashem will go. Now, the truth is the other way around. Why the second pirush is not enough. Why the second explanation isn't enough. But I also need the first explanation, because technically you can say, technically we can have, we could have had only the second explanation. What's the second explanation? That during the time of the Giula, Hashem himself must come and bring every Jew back. And that's the meaning of a shove, that Hashem is going to return. Why does he need the first? See, on the second pirush we can say something very, very, we can, we can explain it. You see, according to that second explanation, it implies that God is... When is Hashem coming into the exile? When? He's not there all along. When is He coming in? During the time of the Giyula, Hashem kind of sort of swoops down into the exile to pick up every single Jew. From the word, V'shav Hashem Elokecha, that God is returning, it seems to imply, not that He just entered to pick them up, but that He's always been there. See, what's the difference between the first explanation and the second explanation? Second explanation puts God in the, together with the Jewish people in Golis, the entire duration of the Golis. So it fits much better when it says, oh, v'shav Hashem alokecha, God is finally coming back. But according to the second pirush, what are we saying? That God is just going now, now down to pick them up. The word v'shav, it's, 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 it's not so glott, meaning it's not so smooth to say that Vishav, I, that he will return if he just went there. Vishav implies that he's been there for a while and now he's returning. I'll give you an example to that. Um, it says in Pasha's Mishpatim, it says that when a, a Jewish slave goes out of slavery, it says that he should go out and his wife should go out with him. That's what the Pasuk says. V'yatsa ishta ima, his wife should go out with him. So, so, so the, uh, Rashi asked the question, what do you mean his wife should go out? What is she doing there in the first place? She's not a slave. He was sold as a slave. He messed up, he stole, he didn't have what to pay back. They sold him into slavery. His wife doesn't want to look at him. He's a ganif. He went and he, was, and he couldn't pay back. Now he's sold a shlomazel. He's been sold as he's not even home. What is she doing there? So Rashi says, since it says she will go out from him, with him, is a sign that she was there all along. Why? That teaches you when someone, when a Jew, when a Jew gets sold as a slave, the master has to take care, provide for the entire family, not just for the slave. That means, and now, once the slavery is over, the seven years are over, uh, six year, seven years are over, he's free, uh, no, six years, six years of slavery is over, he leaves and she leaves with him also, because she's been there all along. So you see that idea. She's leaving now. That means she was there. So the same is also now when we're going, to imply, we're going to apply the same thing over here. If it says Hashem is going to return, what does it mean? That He was there all along. That's why the second pirush is not so good. I can understand. But then why don't I just keep the first pirush and be happy with it? What do I need anything more? The first explanation is fine. I don't need any more explanations. The other thing over here is, why is suddenly Rashi giving us a whole story over here that by the other nations, it's also that way. 
that it says that when, when, when a nation is returned to its homeland, that's a difficult thing. God himself has to oversee that. It can't just be just, you know, the general forces of nature or ministering angels. God himself has to do that. Rashi's bringing from other. Who's talking about the nations? We're talking about the Jewish people over here. Why are we bringing over a nation? And in a sense, it's ruining it once you're putting the other nations there as well. Because we're all excited about the fact, like, wow, God loves us so much, he himself is going to pick us up from Golis. And, and suddenly Rashi kind of ruins the whole thing by telling, and you should know that the Moabites is the same thing, and the Edomites are this, so <laughs> the Egyptians also. So then who cares? Okay, fine. It's almost like Rashi's taking out the punch of the whole thing, but those last, he ruins the whole excitement of this Rashi with those, with those last few words. And in addition to that, when Rashi quotes to us a Pasuk, that Hashem is going to pick up every Jew, Rashi says, Va'atem tiliktu, and, and, and you are going to be collected. Um, uh, echod, echod, le'echod, le'echod, every single Jew, every single person. And Rashi adds two words, B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people. Now, if, if all he wanted to say is that Hashem has to collect every person individually, he doesn't need to quote the end of the verse, B'nai Yisrael, the B'nai Yisrael. Well, he can say, Va'atem tiliktu, echod, echod, you're going to collect each one. The fact that, God, that Rashi adds the two words which are unnecessary, he's quoting a full Pasuk with the word B'nai Yisrael, which was unnecessary, is implying clearly that Rashi wants to say that the reason there is this individual, um, 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 Hashem is so involved in taking the people out, is because this is B'nai Yisrael. Because these are his children, because he's special. If that's the case, why is he a second later telling us that that implies, applies to all the nations that are being returned to their homelands, that it requires Hashem himself to do it? So then it seems he, from Rashi himself, it seems to be implying that this is a novelty that only, only applies to the B'nai Israel. Finally, I just want, uh, one last important idea is Rashi says an interesting word. He says, it's so hard to take the Jewish people out of Golos. It's as if Hashem needs to tzarech liyas oiches. Hashem has to hold on. Biyadav mamish. Literally in his hands, every Jew. Hashem has to take literally every single Jew in his hands. Biyadav mamish. Now Rashi is, Rashi is a godly man. And Rashi wrote his chumish, his pirush, with perfect accuracy. There's not one extra word in a Rashi. What's this emphasis, biyadav mamash, literally with his hands? Should have said, biyadav, with his hands, right? And, and why, why, okay, so, oh, biyadav mamash, Rashi wants to say mamash that Hashem is literally doing. No, no, no. I'll show you somewhere else where Rashi is talking about Hashem holding on to us, every, that Hashem holds on to us. And over there Rashi says biyadav with his hands and he doesn't add the word mamash. In Pasha's Veschanon, it says that during the time of the exile, Pasha's Veschanon, it says that Hashem says, um, uh, over there it says, Lo yarpecha, Hashem will not kikel, rachom Hashem alokecha. Hashem, even when you're in the, Hashem, it's also talking about the exile. It says, even in the end of days when all these terrible things are going to happen to you, you're going to do tshuva. Because Hashem is merciful. He will not let go. He will never abandon you. Even in the worst days, He won't abandon you. Rashi says, He will not leave go of you. From holding on to you in His hands. He doesn't say, He doesn't say, Literally holding it in his hands, literally. 
How come over here there's an emphasis? Beyond of mamish. He's going to literally collect every single Jew, mamish with his hands, and bring him back. There must be reason for all of this. So to understand all of this, and it's really, 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 really special, the answer to this is as follows. When we're speaking about um, Hashem being with someone, Hashem being present and present with any individual, what is the regular meaning of that? When we say God is with someone, God is with that person. We find that, that for instance, by the forefathers, by Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, by all three of them it states explicitly that God was with them. Elimelech tells Avram Avinu in Bereshis, you look, Hashem says, Elimelech, the king of the Philistines, the king of the Pelishtim, says to Avram Avinu, he says, Elokim imcha, God is with you, and all that you do. By Yitzchak, it says that Hashem promises Yitzchak, live in this land, and I will be with you. By Yaakov, we all remember when he, had, when, he's, when he had the dream with the ladder and he's sleeping on Mount Moriah. What does he say? Yaakov says to Hashem, he makes a nether, if you're going to be, if God is going to be with me. By Yosef at Tzadik, what does it say? Hashem imo, and Hashem was with him. When all that he did, something like that, it says that the, his master saw that God is with him all the time. What does it mean God is with him? God is everywhere. Hashem is omnipresent. Hashem is, the, is reality. He's, he's, he's present. One of the reasons Hashem is called the Makom is because we say Hamakom, because he's, he is present. He is, he contains all of space, and there is no speck, there is no place devoid of him. Late, the words of the Zohar, there's no place where God is not. What does it mean when we say that God is with someone? So the, the explanation that is, so the simple understanding of Hashem being with someone means when we see, Hashem of course is everywhere, but Hashem is hidden in nature. He's hidden. He's in the world, but He's hidden. When we see someone have extraordinary success, when we see that the person is living and they have things working out for them abnormally, when it's going against all statistics, we're seeing someone like my Avram, you know, everything he touched, he was successful. To the point that this Philistine king said, you know, God is with you. With Yitzchak, Hashem says, I'm going to be with you. You're going to see things that are, you're going to be in situations where it's impossible to succeed, and you'll succeed. And the same is also Yaakov Avino and so on and so forth. He was by his uncle Lavan, a cheater, a, a con artist, the worst of the worst. And he came out and he, he managed to amass the entire fortune of Lavan, take all of his wealth, convert it to his wealth, build a beautiful family. He, he tried to cheat him with his wife and all of that. And then he ended up having all of his daughters. And I mean, unbelievable how Yaakov came out of Lavan's house. You see extraordinary success. Yosef Atzadik, from being, uh, from, 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 uh, he made his way all the way up to be, Hashem was with him, extraordinary success. The, so when you see abnormal things happening to someone, boarding on the miracle, on the miraculous, that's the meaning that God is with someone. Now, obviously the Jewish people were the children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, were considered Hashem's apple of his eye. He loves the Jewish people. So when the Jewish people were in the land of Israel, also, in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, we had abnormal success. The wealth of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael was abnormal. The fruits of the land of Israel were abnormal. Everything that was there was, was normal. Everything was like, the wars that we won were also few against many. In every aspect of Jewish life, 
when the Beis Amigdash was standing, was clearly, as the Pasuk says, Hashem God's eyes, which means God's providence, is Mereshe Sashana, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. You can sense that this is not an ordinary land. Things work differently in Eretz Yisrael. Things work differently for the Jewish people, because we're, we're Hashem's people. What happens during the time when when Hashem conceals His face? And the Jewish people are exiled and, and cast away from Hashem, scattered amongst the, or across the entire world. And God, so to speak, has abandoned us. As the Zohar says, God has removed Himself high, above, 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 removed Himself to, and kind of throws us, so to speak, to the dogs. And allows to happen, yet we turn around and we see after 2,000 years of abandonment, after all the nations have come and gone, and we're still around. Same Jew, still around. Same Yid, the one thing in this world that hasn't changed are the Jewish people. And a Yid is putting on tefillin, a Yid is keeping kosher. It's the same people. Or then, we have now. Only enriched. Only thing we're left from the exile, enriched Jews. From all the mysterious nefesh and the like. But one thing you see clearly, how is it possible as the sages are wondering about it? And Medrash says in Medrash Rabbah, and Esther Rabbah, the Medrash says, you know, one sheep amongst 70 hungry wolves. What's the chance of the chief sheep to survive? If not for the roef, not for the shepherd who's guarding. And it's something that is so, it is something so clearly seen and recognized that it's not only we, the Jewish people, who know this. So many Mark Twain and other writers wrote about the phenomenal mystery and miracle of the world, which is the survival of the Jewish people. A few people that lost their country, scattered across the world, hated by everybody, persecuted by everybody, suffered expulsion after expulsion, robbed and plundered and murdered and persecuted, and gone through who knows what, hellish suffering, and yet they keep on making a comeback, and they're always here. Clearly that what? That the Eibishter is with the Jewish people, protecting us and guarding us during the time of Golas. So, that idea that God is a Shomer Yisrael, a guardian of Israel, even during the time, it's like the Medrash says that when Hashem is asleep, we once learned about this a few weeks ago, He's like a deer. Hashem and Shir Hashem is compared to a deer. Just like a deer, when he sleeps, he has one eye awake and one eye closed. So that means he's always watching and it seems like he's sleeping, but he's really watching. That is saying that what? That even during the time of Golas, Hashem is here guarding us. That's not saying that Hashem is suffering with us, that Hashem is in pain. No, that's saying that Hashem is present with us, guarding and watching over us. Quite on the contrary. For Him to be able to guard us and to watch us, He must be above the exile. He must be above our tormentors. He must be above those inflictors of inflicting the pain. That's why he can guard us. <laughs> if he would be within, within us, in the, then he wouldn't be able to take care of us. If he would be persecuted like us, chas v'shal. So he's not. He's above it all. Fine. Now, let's take it a step further. There are psukim that imply, not only that Hashem is kind of, like the Pasuk, that would be the explanation of the Pasuk, what I just explained, of Gamki Eilech Begeit Salmadas, even when I'm going in the shadow of death, definitely the exile is a shadow of death, I'm not afraid of evil, because I know you're with me Hashem, you're protecting me, I'm not afraid, because I know I have God who is my protector and my shield, fine. 
But then there's another psukim we mentioned earlier. God is with us in suffering. We mentioned earlier that Moshe Rabbeinu saw God in a bush, and the, bu- and the bush was a thorn bush, a snare. And because Hashem is showing, look the fire which is God, Hashem is being poked. It's being poked by the thorns. Hashem is in pain because he's watching us being in pain. Ooh, that's a whole different story. Not only is Hashem with us in the gullus, but he's in pain. However, that doesn't mean that he is suffering our suffering. It doesn't mean that God is in the, in the torment of the Gullahs. It's because when we are in Gullahs and he's our loving father, so when we're in pain, that pains him. Like the Gemara says, when a person has pain, Hashem says, Koilani I have a headache. God says, I have a migraine. When a person is in pain, when any person, any Jew is in pain, God says, I have a migraine. The Abishta says, it hurts me. My arm is hurting me because a Jew is suffering. It gives the Abishta pain. But what's the pain? It's not that the pain of the golos, of the suffering, is Hashem's pain. We're experiencing... The Jewish person, the, 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 the Jewish people, we're experiencing the pain. We're experiencing an inquisition. We're experiencing a concentration camp. We're experiencing the gulags. We're experiencing the dire such financial situations and, and difficulties and hardships with children and with who knows what and the suffering that families have these days and, 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 and difficulties with shalom bias and all the hardships because we're in such a challenging, difficult world that we're living today. These are our pains. These are our issues. These are our aches and pains. Because Hashem loves us so much, He feels our pain. Maybe even more than we feel it. But He is feeling the pain because we're, we're in pain. So it, so it would be almost like a father, a parent, whose child was abducted. The child was taken, was kidnapped. The father knows that the child is suffering horrible anguish. So the father is sitting in his mansion. He is home in his house. He's sitting on a very, very plump, plush couch. He's, enjoy, right? he's, he's in a comfortable state. What then? He has a bleeding heart because he knows his little daughter is suffering. Because he knows his child is in pain. But he himself is not suffering that pain. So that you can say from all the psukim, I'm with you in your pain. And all pain to him is pain. There is something, however, that our Pasuk says that is not stated anywhere. When your captives are coming back, it doesn't say Hashem will make them return, it says He will return. And the fact that He says that He will return together with your captives, is implying that just He's returning in the same way that the captives are returning. It means the same with the exiles, with the Jews, and just like they were in the prison, they were in the suffering, they were in pain. He was with them in that pain. That's a whole different story. That's, that's a whole different story. That during the time of Golos, the Shechina suffers along with us. Not because we're suffering, but the very torment of the Golos is happening to the Shechina. Just like Chas v'shalom, a Jew is bleeding and suffering. A Jew is being beaten. Chas v'shalom, we can't understand that, but that means that God is being beaten. Literally. Why? Because the Shechina, during the time of Golos, Hashem, in, Hashem enslaved himself or subjugated himself to the foreign powers of the nations. 
We know that in, in addition to physical forces in this world, every physical nation in this world has a spiritual source, which are the 70 ministering angels. We know when the Jewish people go to Golis, is a little bit of a mystical concept, God also goes to the exile, which means that the 70 ministering angels torment above, torment the Shekhinah. With the same torments that we get down here, the Shekhinah is being tormented up there. Because the Shekhinah is with us in the suffering. That we only see from this Pasuk. And that seems to be contrary to what we said before. Earlier we spoke about Hashem being with us in an Asana, that He's free. He's not, he's not trapped. The Abishter is not trapped. Adara, because He's not trapped, that's why He can watch us. That's why He can guard us. But here we're saying there's another Indian. And Rashi says on that, Kiviyachol, because it's a hard word to say. Kiviyachol means anthropomorphically speaking, meaning in some way that we can't explain to be able to say something like this about God, that Hashem is in, he, he's with us in the suffering itself. When you're having that financial stress, God is also having the financial stress that you're having. On some spiritual way, we don't understand how, but He's having that stress. That's some other stress. And not because you're stressed out, he's stressed out. The same stress and the same pressures and the same difficulties, this is going through, Hashem is going through them. And that's interesting. The, 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 over here in this Rashi, it says, Kiviyachal. Do you realize in Parsha Shemois, where it says, by the thorn bush, it says, when, Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu saw Hashem in the thorn bush, Rashi says, why? Because I'm with him in pain. Rashi doesn't say the word kiviyachal over there. Kiviyachal means anthropomorphically speaking. Why does Rashi say kiviyachal here and not there? Because it's a whole different story. Over there it says that Hashem is suffering. Okay? You don't, that level of suffering is a whole different story. Because over there, we're not, it's not such a novelty. I mean, what we're saying is not such a chidush. It's not such a crazy idea. Hashem loves us. He's up there in high. No one can, God forbid, cause him any pain. No one has any control over God. He's infinite. He's endless. He's beyond. He's, he's, he's omnipotent. No one can enslave him. It's just that he's so attached to us. So therefore, when we go to Golis, he comes along with... He's, he watches our pain, and he's suffering because of that. For that, you don't have to say kiviyachal so much. That too also deserves a little kiviyachal, but not such a big kiviyachal. But over here we're saying that Hashem subjugates Himself to the actual exile. That God is sitting in the shackles, in the chains, in those very same ropes and chains of captivity of Golos, the Shechina, the Divine Presence is. That's a Chiddush. For that Rashi says, Kiviyoch. We don't understand how that can be, but we know that that's the way it is. That's the truth. That we see only from here, and we don't see that from anywhere else. Because it says, Vishav Hashem Hashem is equal to the returnees. They're coming back from their, from their gullus, and he's also coming back from his gullus. If so, one is going to ask a very, very big question. If God kind of has subjugated himself, self-imposed infliction. Of course, no one can have any control over the Shekhinah. If the Shekhinah creates everybody, how can those very ministering angels that he sustains and creates have control over him? Yet, he subjugated himself to that. That's beyond us, but so it is. But then the question is, if he's in exile, how in the world are we ever going to get out of it? We always knew one thing, that at least God, you know, our, our Savior, He's outside of it. He's not, so He can come to the rescue, but there's a rule, and there's a rule, and the rule is, 
that a prisoner can't redeem him, can't free himself. You need someone who's not in prison to take him out. Right? The rescuer who's coming to rescue those that were in Hurricane Harvey and so on. They have to have a certain advantage. They have to be in a place where they're not. From there they can throw a rope. They can throw the, the whatever it is, the, 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 what do they call it when you throw a life-saving rope. So God, being that he's above it, can take us out. But if the Abishter is in Gaulus with us, and he's mamish, constricted with the constrictions that we have, because he, he wanted to endure the exile together with the Jewish people. And by the way, um, the, the reason why by Mitzrayim it doesn't say this, we asked before, Mitzrayim it just says, is it possible that during Golis Mitzrayim, God's connection to the Jewish people was not as deep yet as during, because by Har Sinai, we know that our relationship with God was was, was upgraded exponentially. Went much, much deeper. So it could be by Golis Mitzrayim, the Indian of Bechol Tarasam Loitzar, is that Hashem was pained because we were in pain. But not that He Himself was enduring the pain. This Golis, that's the Chiddush over here by this exile, because it was after Matan Torah. Over here where, Jew, where a Jew is, God is His. God is there as well. The Shechina is with them. Literally. But if that's the case, how are we ever going to go out? So over here, Rashi says, Lefikach. So therefore, Rashi says, Ukeshenegalin, and when they're redeemed, Hichtiv Giula Liatzmoi. He wrote himself a Geula for himself. What does that mean, Hichtiv? Not that he just wrote it in the Pasuk. He wrote the words, Veshav. Hichtiv means that when God sold himself, so to speak, into slavery, when Hashem allowed, when Hashem submitted himself to the forces of exile to, so to speak, be able to abuse the Shechina, whatever that means. When that happened, Hashem did not do that indefinitely. Hashem put an expiration date. And He said like this, a day will come when the redemption has to happen. And since the Mashiach must come by that and that time, this power that these alien forces have on the Shechina will, will, will expire. And the moment that, that, that decree of Golos is lifted, because from the very beginning when he sold himself, so to speak, when he entered, when he invested himself, or when he allowed himself to enter into this goddess, it was for a temporary period of time. And he wrote already the Geula as a precondition before he went into exile. So therefore we can understand that when the time of the Golos, the time of the Geula will come, those shackles or those ropes that are tying and keeping the Shechina in captivity is going to naturally dissolve instantly and the Shechina will be free and as the Shechina will be free she will come out of exile together with all of us. But now Rashi is bothered. You might think that since God is going to come out of Golos, since the Abishter is going to come out of Golos in order to take us out, so we might think that the way it's going to happen is that the Abishter is going to go out first. The Shechina is going to depart from the Golas first. She's going to free herself. Then she's like going to go to Eretz Yisrael, whatever. And then she's going to grab her pickup truck, so to speak, and drive back into the Golas to come get the Jewish people. Because she's now, she was liberated. And then she's going to go take the Yidden out. That would mean that there would be a few moments in the end of Golas, God forbid, of true abandonment. That the Shechina is not with us to the final, final, final bell. To the final conclusion of the Golas, to the Shoifer Shel Mashiach. The Shechina left a little bit earlier. 
So chas v'sholem, that last generation, or in those last moments of darkness, someone might think that, God forbid, Hashem isn't here, because Hashem is redeeming us, so He first has to redeem Himself, then He can come back to get us. So Rashi says, no. That Rashi says, when they are redeemed, he will return with them. With them. Not a moment before. Until, until, we, until the Jewish people don't go out of Galus, God is in the exile. To the very last drop of pain. He's feeling it along with us. And he is coming out with us. That's so amazing. I mean, this explanation in the Rashi is just, it's not genius. I'm sharing with you a talk from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. This blows my mind. It's not, see, you, you, you can't just, it's not a genius. A lot of smart Talmidei Chachamim who can expound on a Tosvas. You have to be so sensitive to the Jewish people. You have to be so sensitive to Golas Ashkina. You have to be so sensitive to the unity between God and Israel to be able to perceive these ideas. Only a, a tzaddik who's the heart of the Jewish people can have such brilliance in this Rashi. It's crazy. Every word over here, the Abishnah doesn't go out before the Yidden come out. The Shechina, and the novelty of the Pasuk over here. It's not a distant pain that Hashem is feeling because we're, but he's, he's along with us, suffering our pains with us to Himself. That's an extraordinary, painful idea, but yet a soothing idea at the same time. That we're not going through this ourselves. We will definitely come out of it because Hashem is there with us. Now we're left with the question as follows. Now the problem, however, with this pirush, this is very good, this answers everything. Problem, however, with this is, if this is the case, then the main novelty that Hashem is with the Jewish people in the Golos is not at the end when we're redeemed. When we're redeemed, okay, we have to say, since God is with us, He will first be, He will redeem Himself together with us, fine. But the main novelty over here, what's the main chiddush? Not in the end of the Golos, the main novelty is in the beginning of the exile. That when the Golos began, Hashem came along with us into the Golos. Enslaved himself, so to speak. Hashem, God, the Shekhinah, sold herself into captivity together with the Jewish people. If that's the case, how come the Torah says it over here at, by the Giyula? The Torah tells us, by the Giyula, from here you see that Hashem was with us all along. It should have said it when it speaks about the Jewish people going to exile. The, the Torah should have told it to us then. Again, Rashi's learning Pshutai Shal Mikra. Rashi's not telling us just Torah. Rashi's telling us the simple meaning of the verse. One can have, one can have a very good question. If the whole meaning over here is that Hashem joined the Jewish people from the very beginning, so how come the Torah only tells this to us that God is accompanying us into the exile by the end when we're returning from the Gullahs? It should have said it when you're going. There are many psukim that speak about the Jewish people being exiled from the land. Over there it should have said, Hashem's saying, I'm coming with you. Why does it say it over here? That's why Rashi brings the second pirush. And in the second pirush, no. Vishav Hashem Elokecha is talking about something that God is going to do. Dafka at the time of the redemption. At the time, according to the second pirush, it means that during the time of the redemption, Hashem is going to go down into the Golos to pick up every single Jew. Why? Because 
It's something. The kibbutz Goliath is so difficult that if not God doing it himself, it can never happen. It's such, a, it's such a great thing. It needs Hashem to do it. That will explain the idea of why the Torah only says it, the shove, over here. That's why Rashi brings a second pirish. The question, however, someone might have over here, which is a very good question. If we're saying that gathering a scattered people that have been a long time away from their homeland and returning them back to their land is something that requires an explicit act of God to do it. Because Rashi says kibbutz goliath is a difficult thing that requires Hashem to do it. We find, conceptually, we find in Tanakh, we find other nations that are going to return to their homeland. It's not only the Jewish people. So if that's the case, this idea, one can, again, if we're saying the reason why it says Hashem is going to do it because since you're gathering people from an exile, that's a very difficult thing that requires Hashem to itself to do it. Someone's going to ask, you know, what's with Mitzrayim when Mitzrayim is going to go back to their place? And what's with Ammon when Ammon is going to go back to their place? It also requires a hand of God. So how come the Torah is saying over here, maybe, so you say maybe Taka, maybe yeah. But the Torah then, how come the Torah says over here, Veshav Hashem Elokecha? The emphasis in the Pasuk is that why is, why is this going to happen? That Hashem himself is going to take you out of the exile is because he's Hashem Elokecha, because he's Hashem your God. Not just the God of the whole world. He's your particular God. He's the God of Israel. If so, but if you're telling me the reason why Hashem has to do it is because returning people from a scattered, from being from the diaspora, from being spread out everywhere to their homeland is a difficult thing, then it's not just a Jewish thing. That this Indian applies to everybody. To answer this question, Rashi now goes to tell us a whole thing about how Hashem will take the Jewish people out. He will take every single Jew. And Rashi adds literally with his hands, literally with his hands. And Rashi also brings us the other nations that are, <coughs> that are going to return. Rashi's not bringing the other nations to tell us a similarity between the Jewish people and the nations. That just like the Jewish people when they're taken back are taken back individually, so too all the other nations when they're taken back, Hashem is also himself going to be involved in doing it. For that, Rashi wouldn't be saying that. As we said earlier, that takes away the, that takes away the, whole, the whole juice of this entire Rashi, of what is Rashi's trying to say. So it's not that Rashi is trying to tell us the similarity between the two. Quite on the contrary, Rashi's trying to explain the great difference between the returning of the Jewish people back to their homeland and even when we find other nations being restored to their land, even though there it's also some act of God, but it's still very different. So again, these last few words in the Rashi are not highlighting a similarity, they're coming to highlight the difference between the returning of the Jewish people and the returning of the rest of the nations. And just very briefly, this is the idea. The idea is as follows. And this is just as novel and just as powerful as the first part that we discussed earlier. And the idea is like this. We know what there is a question in regards to divine providence. We say that there is such a thing called hashkacha pratit. Hashkacha pratit means individual divine providence on one and on every single person or every single entity Hashem is overseeing and watching and 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 and, and guiding and 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 directing the, the happenings of this 
of this particular being. So we know what the Baal Shem Tov teaches us, that there is hashkacha pratis on every small, on all aspects, even a little tiny ant, there is a specific divine providence directing where the ant is going to walk, which way it's going to turn and so forth. The Baal Shem Tov even says more when in regarding to plants and to tiny little leaves, a little leaf from a tree, when there's a storm, now we're talking about big storms, the leaves are falling down, the trees are falling down, or a leaf falls. So the Baal Shem Tov says, the, the, the manner in which this leaf is going to fall, which leaf is going to fall, when it's going to fall, how many times it's going to turn, when it's going to, and if it's going to spin this way or swirl this way, sideways, and when it's going to fall down on the ground, where it's going to land, and then the wind is going to pick up this leaf that fell down last week and blow it on top of, on top of a rooftop somewhere. I mean, all this is by exact and perfect divine providence. That's the Balshantov. We know our Maimonides doesn't say that. Maimonides says explicitly the opposite. Maimonides says that on all creatures, domain tzomea chai, inanimate, plant, vegetation, and chai, an animal, there isn't divine, specific divine providence. There is God's providence only over the general species. Hashem watches over all the bunny rabbits because He likes, He doesn't want bunny rabbits to be, to be extinct. He wants to keep them alive. So He watches a species of rabbits to, 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 uh, to remain in existence. But, but there isn't a particular bunny that this one is going to survive or that one isn't exactly what's going to happen. And definitely not on plants, Right? Hashem did not necessarily, he's bringing a big storm, he's not deciding which tree in Florida fell down and which tree is going to survive. That's not. He's a storm and trees are going to be knocked over. Hashem is making sure that the, that the storm is not so strong to destroy all trees. Okay, so that's the general, that's what Rambam says. The only one that there is individual providence, the Rambam says, is on the Jewish people, on human, and on, particularly on the Jewish people, and particularly on righteous people, on tzaddikim. When people are tzaddikim, then God gives them individual providence. So it seems like the Bolshemtov and the Rambam are in conflict with each other. The Hasidic masters explain, Reb Doiv Ber, I think the second Chabad Rebbe explained, there is really no conflict between Rambam and the Bolshemtov. It's not like these two opinions on Ashkoch Pratis. Rambam would agree to the Bolshemtov, and the Bolshemtov agrees to the Rambam. The difference is as follows, very briefly, there's two types of Ashkoch Pratis. There's one type of Ashkoch, divine providence, which the divine providence is explicit and open. You can see that God is watching this thing because you see unbelievable coincidences, which seem to be coincidences, things that don't make any sense that something survived. It like, so you see that God was watching. Okay? That's called an explicit revealed Ashkacha Pratis. There's another kind of Ashkacha. That Hashem is watching over every little thing that's happening in the world, but it's camouflaged in nature. That means... That it looks like it, 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 that it looks like Hashem is generally doing. He, 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 he created the, the forces of nature, and things happen. Now, within that general occurrence, God is hiding and is directing His influences exactly the way He wants. And that particular spider that needs to survive is going to survive, and all the other ones that are are not. That particular leaf. Whatever it has to land where it needs to land, fine. But it's not visible to the eye. You don't see anything extraordinary. What you're seeing, you're seeing nature in action. You're not seeing anything specific. So when the Rambam says that only on the human being there is specific divine providence, especially on Jewish people, especially on tzaddikim, Rambam means a type of divine um, providence which is involving miracles. It's involving an open... You can clearly see the, 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 the Hashkacha Pratis in it. 
That's only to tzaddikim and the like. The rest of the world also enjoys divine providence to the tiny little microscopic things. But it's all hidden. No one sees it. So it is. From God's mind, he's watching over every little cell across the universe. But it's only from God's mind to the visible eye, it seems like nature is just running its course. The Valshetov is telling us how it really is. It's hidden. But it really is that way that Hashem is overseeing it. Rambam is talking about more what is revealed. According to this, comes out like this. When it comes to all the other nations, and there are there's promises in the Navi that certain nations are going to return to their homeland, over there, of course, there is a divine providence. Because again, to bring a nation back to its homeland after they've been scattered is difficult. And people will have to say that it is an act of God for the Egyptians to have returned to their land. People are going to have to say that it's an act of God for the, for the Ammonites to have returned to their land. But people will say that only about what? About the collective identity of the Ammonite people or the Edomite people. That in regards to them as a whole, there was a divine providence that they were able to come back because it wouldn't make any sense once a nation has been exiled from their land that they will return. But by the Jewish people, since by the Jewish people we say there is Ashkacha Pratis, even according to the Rambam, which means that by the Jewish people, the, divine, the, the specific divine providence on every single Jew individually is, is, a, is a revealed uh, uh, divine providence that you can see with our own eyes that Hashem miraculous kind of a providence to every Jew. So by Yidin, it's a different story. By the Jewish people, when the Geula, when the time of the redemption comes, every single Jew is going to come out of the exile. Not just, like we say, Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, Am Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael. No! The redemption is an individual redemption. Every single Jew, no Jew left behind. Not even one Jew will, God forbid, remain in the Golas. But not only that... When the, goal, when the Geula will happen, it will be so clear that it was an act of God, that there won't be any natural reason how this Jew ended up in Yerushalayim, and how this Jew came back. It will be so clear that it was Hashem Himself guiding, taking, instructing every single Jew individually. That's the Chiddush over here. That there is not Stam Hashgacha. There's hashgacha protis individually on every single yid, and that the hashgacha is in a way that is explicit. It's openly a miracle that every Jew came back. So it's not just going to be this great thing. When Mark Twain wrote that the Jewish people's survival is a miracle, when Mashiach comes, that type of that's going to be said about every single person. Every single person is going to have a book written about him or her, about how they survived the exile, and how this particular Jew came back in, to the Giyula. And that's also the difference between the Jewish people during the, 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 during the time of the Golos, when Hashem is watching over us, and during the time of the Giyula, when Hashem is going to watch over us. During the time of the Golos, when Hashem is watching over us, it's camouflaged. Hashem is like watching over everybody. But it's camouflaged. It's not necessarily seen. That's why, Ra- that's why Rashi in Parshas Ve'ezchanan says that in the time of exile, Lo yarpacha, Hashem will not let go of you. But Rashi says he's going to hold you in his hand, but he doesn't say biyadav mamish, literally in his hands. He just says biyadav, he's going to hold you. 
But by the time of the Geula, Rashi emphasizes to look to Le'echod, Echod, every single Jew is going to be collected. Rashi says, Biyadov Mamish. Literally with his hands. What does that mean, literally? That literally means that one, that it will be clear for everybody to see that it was an act of God that brought Yanko out. There was an act of God that brought this one out and that one out, Getzel and Beryl and this one. Every single Jew is going to return through a miracle. That they, and it's going to be an open miracle for every single person. That's the Chiddush of the of, of of that's why it says Vishav Hashem Alokecha, God who is your God, is gonna bring you back specifically. Every single person. So this is, I think, just to conclude, a very, 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 very encouraging and powerful idea. Number one, the encouragement of the understanding that no matter what we've gone through, and no matter what we're continuing, that we've gone through till this very moment, one should not fall into despair. That what? That our suffering is in vain, and who knows, and we feel abandoned and neglected. If you're going through hardships and challenges, whether it's physical hardships or challenges, mental hardships or challenges, spiritual hardships or challenges, financial hardships and challenges, whatever type of thing it is, one needs to know that the Abishter is with the person, Hashem, the infinite almighty God is with me in this complete, as I am going through it, he's going through it with me. Now, if you're a holy Ruzhaner, it was a loves God with infinite love. It hurts you. Why does Hashem have to go through with it? For most people, it's at least a comfort. And I know I'm not doing this alone. But it's not like other people care about me. There's actually Hashem himself who that pain, the pain of the Golas is mamish, his pain, not just because we're suffering, but because this is him going through it. That's number one. Number two, we have to know that even if we find ourselves in situations where we think that we're so stuck and there is no way by means of nature that I will ever get out of my addictions. I will ever get out of my psychological uh, enslavements and the stuck where I am, the dump, the mess, the garbage, the chazarai, whatever it is that I'm stuck in. The, the, the aspect, the, the moment Giula comes, Mashiach comes, the Abishter is miraculously, miraculously, mirac- and it's going to be explicit and open miracles to return and to take to pluck every single yid out of gold to the point where Hashem himself is going to swoop down all the way down to the person to pick up every yid and miraculously extract this person from no matter what kind of suffering and hardship they're in and bring them to the Giyula Shalema and that no yid, not even one person will chas v'shalem remain in the exile. And even more so, when we take both these pollution together and we combine it, it comes out like this. As we said in the first thing, that the Abishter is, is, is waiting, he will not leave until the Jewish people leave. He doesn't leave even a minute before. His redemption of himself comes together with the Jewish people. And we take that together with the second period. With the second period, Rashi says that to look to Echod Echod, that Hashem is going to take every single Jew with personal divine providence out of Golos. That means that Hashem does not leave the exile until the very last Jew comes out of Golos. That means the entire Entire Shechina remains in the exile until I till, till he will take me out. So even if I feel myself so disconnected, so far, and such a mess, but I know that 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 that, that of course there's hope. Of course there's a future. Hashem is not going out of Golis until every last Jew will be taken out with him.
This is an unbelievable nechama. This is an incredible encouragement for all of us. That this is that the miracle that the and it's going to be in a manner. And that's why it's very important to understand. You have especially now with all these events that are happening in the world that are shaking it. We had an earthquake in Mexico. We had these two hurricanes. We have North Korea. We have things that are happening which are telling us that Hinei Zabah Mashiach is coming. We're right here. And chas v'shalem, please, please, please don't ever think for one moment that we the Jewish people are going to be harmed by any of these things chas v'shalem. Whatever, without any doubt that the Jewish people being that this is the moment for what creation, all of creation was created for, was for this moment, for what we, all of us, our generation is going to experience. For this purpose God created heaven and earth and all of history was for the next few moments for what is going to happen in the world right now. And the Jewish people are the apple of God's eye. And Hashem is therefore going to direct His personal providence in a manner, not of an Ashgacha protest that hidden, but an Ashgacha protest that is revealed and so openly seen to save and to protect and to guard every Jew, no matter who, religious, non-religious, doesn't make a difference. Every single Jew to make sure in a particular manner that this Yid is going to be taken by Hashem's hand, Mamish, Rashi says, Mamish, 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 literally, and brought to the Giyula for the ultimate celebration of the coming of Mashiach. May we see it now, now, and now. Love you too much to see you in pain And only you who created tears Can wipe them away forever Bring on a day when there'll be only joy You and I will smile Bring on a day when there'll be no Yeah.